not want to sign myself up for something like that because also the results are not guaranteed. You hope you're going to look a certain way, but you may not. That's insane to me. This is the Bad Life Choices Podcast, where our outspoken, opinionated, and energetic hosts break down a bad life choice that we can all relate to. Tune in as Sharita Janelle and her godmother Maria have brutally honest and entertaining conversations as they navigate through life's pitfalls and inspire you to make better life choices. Have you ever gotten a cosmetic procedure? Well, no, but yes. Let me explain. Okay, what does that even mean? No, so, but yes. Like not any of the typical, you know, fillers, Botox, anything like that. But I have done um, laser hair removal. Okay. And I did that a long time ago, but I didn't, um, I didn't do it, you know, because I was tired of shaving or whatever. Because FYI, just let me tell you all some things. People that are going to go get laser hair removal, it is not permanent. You will not ever not see any hair grow back. It will not be like a smooth baby butt. It will not. It's going to grow back, but it's not going to grow back as frequent and it's not going to going, I can't speak, going to grow back. Um, as course. As course. Thank you very much. So it does have its advantages. It had advantages for me because, you know, because of those reasons, it was just too coarse and I had it done. It hurt like a motherfucker, but at some point, some point was fine. But like the more south you went, the more it hurt. South on the legs, or you mean north on the body? If you start from the toes, I mean, I mean, the more south in um, the region that is normally not showing to most people. So, okay, the more south on the cooch. The more it hurt is all I'm saying. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> got it. But so that's it as far as cosmetic procedures. Now, I mean, I've gotten moles removed off my face. Um, yeah. They like burn. They put some cream on it, and then I can like hear them sizzling. They like burn them off. Um, they grew back, so I was like, this was a waste. Um, I've had like peels and scrubs and things of that nature. But I haven't had anything that changed my appearance. However, though, so I have a crossbite on my mouth. and On your mouth or in your mouth? In my mouth. In my mouth. Not on my mouth. And my orthodontist had said in order for my jaws to align properly, they would have to break my jaw and reset Mm -hmm. it. No. I chose not to do that. No. One, because I like the way I look and... I had a friend of a friend who got it done. She didn't look the same afterwards. And I just want to say, I like the old version of her better. So I didn't. But isn't that, that, isn't that always like the risk? I'll tell you right now, I am not anti-cosmetic procedure. If you want to get them, get them. Well, we're going to talk about how much you should get them or how much I think you should get them. I'm not, I'm not anti-cosmetic procedures. I am, however, afraid mm. of that. I well, don't I'm, want to do something and then all of a sudden people are like, who are you? I'm like, what do you mean? I've, you've known me for years. No. Yes, but you look completely different than you did last Tuesday. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Let I'm me never... tell you about this girl, though. I don't know who she is. I saw her. You know when you scroll online and you're scrolling mm-hmm. on your phone and this stuff comes up? This chick obviously had 
like money to burn. And I think it was because, you know, like her um, family was wealthy or whatever. She's, first of all, you know what those blow up sex dolls look like? Like they're, they've got the painted on lips and not that I've used them. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I mean, I've seen them. They have these big, humongous painted on lips. Their eyes are really big. Their cheeks are really, she looked like a blow up doll. Do you think she okay. took it into the office and said, can you make me look like this? Well, no, but <laughs> she took a doll. She took like a, it was a Barbie type doll or whatever and said she wanted, because I read it. I was like, what in the hell did she do? Like, this is not a real person. I honestly thought it was like a wax figure or whatever. It was a real person. And this chick had spent over a quarter million dollars to look like that on purpose. On purpose. That's insane. See, this is the thing. And anytime there's a whole series of television shows, not about getting the work done, about fixing the bad work that has been done. Have you watched, you've seen Botched, haven't you? I love Botched. Dr. Dubrow is my favorite person. Well, not my favorite person, but I love him. <laughs> I mean, like, have you people not seen these these horrific patients that they have? Okay, but what about, okay, but what about like a little BBL? I don't need a BBL. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'll tell I you was, what, though. I, wait, oh, I, go was, ahead. I was scrolling through and I came across the recovery center for. Oh, Lord. Yes. And they are, they are literally advertising on Instagram. Hey, like we are, you know, five star recovery. We make sure as you are healing, it is going to be the best visit ever. They have the nurses with the IVs changing your bandages and everything. And can I just say that the people because they've clearly consented to be on these these videos. They're walking around looking so broke, so t- I'm sure it's going to heal wonderfully, but they they can barely get out of the car. They're walking along like they are, you know, old and geriatric. It looks like they're in so much pain. That's insane to you me. Know. For um a couple of cosmetic procedures. Number one, this person went in for a rhinoplasty, right? Because nose they job. were nose job. Yes, not happy with their nose. Okay, great. You want to do a little shaving of the bone and a little whatever. Okay, fine. Also, this person decided that they were not happy with the overall appearance of their skin on their face with the wrinkles and such. So they decided they were going to do a facelift along with the nose job, all at the same time, might as well just get it over with. But this person only had um, a limit, like a limited amount of funds. So instead of doing... Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait. Please don't don't tell me that this is another bad life choice. Budget plastic surgery. Budget plastic. No, it wasn't. It was not budget plastic surgery. It went to a very reputable person. However, only did a partial facelift so now that's fine if the one part of your face that you didn't lift doesn't look bad but that part of the face had the most wrinkles so here this person came out with this new nose well it was a new nose didn't look new to me i was not about to say that but it didn't look new to me they got a recycled nose it was a a refurbished nose. nose right and and then did the part 
the partial, whatever you want to call it, facelift. And it was like, that's nice, but what about all this? So, so it wasn't like, so they didn't go from looking 60 to 45 or, or 60 to, to 52. They look, no, part, part of like, them still look 60 and other look 38. Right. Well, <laughs> part of them look 60 and part of them look like 55. I'll say 55. To me, spending that much money and going through all of the recovery and everything, not worth it. No. Just not worth it. No. I mean, I, I just know. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's so much to talk about right here. Luckily, we have, I guess it's going to help us break all this down. So today our special guest is my dear friend and dermatologist, Dr. Z. We are talking all about unnecessary cosmetic procedures because I want to make sure we understand because this is the Bad Life Choice podcast, but not all cosmetic procedures are unnecessary. It gets to a point when the unnecessarily happens, I think. So I want to intro Dr. Z, tell us a little about yourself, tell us your thoughts. And also I want to know like, what do you think, first of all, makes a necessary or good cosmetic procedure versus that of the unnecessary? Got it. Well, thank you so much. It's so good to see you, Sharita, and happy to meet you, Maria. So nice um, to meet you too. My uh, my name is Dr. Zenovia Gabriel. I go by Zena. So Dr. Z has been the way that it's been shortened. But um, I am a board certified dermatologist, um, which means that I did my residency training in four years of dermatology. And dermatology is a, is a very wide field. It's not just Botox and lasers by any stretch. Um, in fact, none of the residency formal academic training is in aesthetic medicine. Uh, I do mostly, you know, bread and butter dermatology, acne, skin cancer, surgery, lupus. And I look in the microscope about, you know, a third of my week, my eyes are under a microscope diagnosing uh, skin pathology. But I do live and work in Newport Beach, California. My office is named Xena Medical. And it's a fairly large practice. I have about six doctors that work with me now, and we are probably a 70% aesthetic practice. We have 11 lasers in my practice. We do all the injectables and all the different types of neuromodulators like Botox, Discord, Xeomin, and then of course all the fillers and microneedling and all the fun stuff. But um, I think this is an amazing conversation and one that needs to be had because um, as a dermatologist, as aesthetic procedures are becoming more and more popular with younger people, especially, there's a lot of bad choices being made. And um, one of the one of the ways that I've tried to is essentially, you know, address this is by educating people on what they don't need versus what they do need. It's crazy how many people walk into my clinic saying, hey, I, I saw this ad or I saw this on TikTok or I saw this and I want to do it. And I'm like, yeah, A, you don't need it. B, you run the risk of blindness with that procedure or something you know, crazy that is not mentioned in social media. So I do think there's a massive influx of people wanting to do interventional procedures on their face when they A, don't need it, or B, the risk to reward ratio is very off. So it's just very interesting how that's happened over the last five years. But a friend of a friend, they're like 25 years old and they're getting Botox on like a regular yeah, basis. I know. And it seems insane. So, so basically what I think has happened is, and I do see this. I mean, I remember when I, I have moms with senior high school daughters and they're like, 
we want to get her lips done for her graduation. And I'm like, that's insane. I'm sorry. And they're like, I'm like, her lips are freaking gorgeous. Like if if she starts now, honestly, what is she going to look like at 35? And like, look, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, yada, yada. At the end of the day, if we're teaching young girls to constantly be looking at themselves, optimizing, you know, like I want to look like this versus like myself, that whole train of thought is toxic. So I absolutely, I just feel, and you know, we could, we're all in the self-congratulatory group, but I just do not believe that women, you know, should constantly be judging themselves and criticizing themselves and wishing they looked different. And we all know that stereotypical look. I mean, we, we we're face it to our phones. So girls come in now and they're like, Dr. Gabriel, make me look like this. And I'm like, but your nose isn't like that. So your lips can't be that big, you know? So it's just, it, it's insanity. So I'm not sure where this goes. I remember being 17, looking at my Cosmopolitan magazine, wishing I had Cindy Crawford's body or, you know, uh, Christy Brinkley's blue eyes or whatever. So we all have had that as an, I wish I look this way part of our lives as women, but it's gotten absolutely out of control with social media, with, um, you know, uh, filters and it's, it's just crazy. So I do think it's a pandemic. I do think um, body dysmorphia is on a huge rise. I think um, self-mutilation and self-loathing is, is, is a very big part of being a teenager right now. And it's like the next level of FOMO. It's like, it's crazy. Do you have an age? Is there like an age limit of where, when you start doing Botox or when you think people should get, because I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. proud to say I am, I've never had Botox, but I also am part of the group of people that black don't crack. So yeah. like we, we are, we are, I mean, I say this proud all the time. I still get carded. They're, I'm like, yeah. they're like, oh, can I see your ID? I am happy to show people. And yeah. then when I tell them I am old, they look at me like I'm crazy. And um, then they look at my ID and then they say, oh, and then, and then I feel a certain way, but also I realized it's okay. You thought I was 26 yeah. and a half uh-huh. or something. Right, exactly. But, but if a 26-year-old or someone that clearly has no wrinkles comes into your office. I'll tell you where it starts. I'll tell you where it all starts. Okay, it's kind of like this. It's, it's an, an amazing question because, and going back to what you said before, Sharita, about prevention. So 100% people are walking in. They look perfect. And they're like, Dr. Gabriel, what can I do to kind of keep this? What can I do preventatively like every year to prevent myself looking like my mom? So people are definitely asking questions earlier, you know, and, and, you know, what are the things, what are the interventions that I can do now that are going to help me prevent that look? And so at the end of the day, I do think people are ahead of the game. Now that's one thing. And so, you know, one of the things I tell people is that, you know, obviously you start with sunscreen, a very good topical regimen. And then as we get older and our bodies change and our collagen changes, our estrogen levels change, we do start to see shifts in our skin. We get more dehydration, we get more laxity, we get more hypertonic muscles. So the muscles are more active and that starts creasing the skin. So a lot of women will come in and say, see this line right here? See this guy right here? Oh my God. Not really. I don't see it. She's like, yeah, when I go like this, it gets deeper. And I'm like, yes, you could do a little baby Botox, quote unquote, 
and smooth out that muscle contraction so that when you crease your muscles, you're not creasing and bending the skin in. So yes, Botox can be seen as a preventative measure for those kind of vulnerable areas like the crow's feet and between the eyebrows where we call the glabella. So yes, but I do say, I think it now, now let me, and that about 25 years old is when I'll start people, I'll begin to see people asking those questions. Now, do you think that that's a good age to start I, I, a, a serious regimen of Botox? I think most people don't need anything at 25, Maria. I really do. I think at 25, okay. people look flawless in my book. And it's not only, it's not because I'm double that age or anything. It's because I look at these women and I just don't think that filter, perfect, photo finish look that everyone is obsessed with is natural. And it doesn't, it's not real. It's not natural because I have seen, I've never had Botox. You can tell, I mean, you can see my 11 yeah. lines. You, you can see the forehead yes. lines and I'm going to be 55 on May 1st. I, okay. So I'm not 25. I look at my pictures of when I was 25. I'm like, God, look at that baby mm -hmm. face, you know, but I will keep this, gladly keep this as opposed to looking like a plastic blow up doll because I'm, and I'm sorry, but when it goes overboard, I just feel like people look so fake. I can't tell. Are you happy? Are you sad? Yeah. Are you mad? I can't and, and, tell. And just to speak to that, I have to say that I think one of the greatest fears of people that, you know, are reticent or apprehensive about doing things is because everyone's afraid to look fake. And so that fear of unnatural results is by far kind of a proven fact in a lot of the pharmaceutical companies who kind of, you know, own this space, such as um, Allergan, who's owned by AbbVie, they make Botox and Juvederm, and some of the other huge companies that do all this pre-market research on consumer activities and consumer interests before they invest millions of dollars into drugs. One of the things that they do realize is that the fear of a natural results is still the number one reason why people do not embark on aesthetic procedures. So you, you think of like the Kylie Jenner and the huge lips and the big cheeks. At the end of the day, those, those procedures really were a disservice to the industry because people do not want to look like that anymore. And so I, I find that, um, but it's kind of like hair transplants. And I will say there's a lot of really beautiful people out there that you think are natural, but they got a lot of work done. And so one of the models in my office is I'll make you look gorgeous, but I'll make you look like you've had nothing done. Well, I think that's better though, because it's better to look, you want to try and look flawless, but natural. You totally. don't want to look plastic. Totally. I, I mean, I don't, I, I, no, who does? And, and, I don't. And, and one of the things that happens in my area and I've lost business over it. I'll get these women who come in as like, you know, I want bigger lips. And I'm like, your lips are really beautiful. You have, and I, I go, I do, I do like a very thorough systematic lip consultation, which is, you know, the distance between your nose is the 70% of the volume and the cupid's bow, the definition, the volume. So there's a real medical analysis when I do lips and I'm measuring things and all sorts of them. And I'll tell people, you don't really need bigger lips because then you'll look like your lips have been done. And they'll say, oh, no, no, but I don't care. I just, I want really big lips. And I'm like, well, they're going to go beyond your like nasal Ayla and you'll look like two sausages. And they're like, yeah, that's okay. I, you know, I kind of, and I'm like, <laughs> so, and I have to say, 
with all due respects, I don't want to do that girl's lips. Because if that girl starts walking around saying, oh, Dr. Gabriel did my lips, now, now I look like the bad injector. But I'm so glad you said that because that was one of the points I was going to bring up to you. Do I you say no when people come in and say, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I, do you say no? Because I then it no will look the bad time. for Here's you. Here's another good one, Maria. A lot of women start to get their cheeks sagging, right? And they get these lines right here. We call them marionettes. Well, you we could fill those in a little bit, okay, and, and smooth them out. But if you keep filling this area, you'll get like a man chin. And now your jowls look heavier and now your face is square. So people keep focusing on the forest and they're like, but doctor, it's still there. And I'm like, look, Mary Jo, I could do more, but <laughs> now I'm going to create like a man face on you. Your jowls are going to look heavier. You're going to look 15 pounds heavier. You really want that. So I do interject my professional aesthetic opinion and say no all day long. Oh, kudos to you, because I think some people wouldn't do that because they would just think about the dollars and say, you know what? Yeah, you want me to give you bigger lips? Let's inject you. Let's do whatever. Look so abnormal on the streets in every city in America because doctors are not being ethical. They're not being judicious and they're not saying no. And, And I think that's that's so much of why. I, you know, I think, and I, and when I teach other physicians who come to my office and, and they're learning from me as a training program or other nurse practitioners of PA, I say half of your job is going to be telling people what they don't need versus what they do need. And that's part of being that kind of that honest, trusted authority is, you know, when you take your car in for a, a, a maintenance, you want the guy to tell you, babe, let's do the radiator. Let's forget the transi- transmission right now. Everybody's looking for honest, truth advice. People want honesty, but a lot of people, I don't think can really, I don't want to quote the movie. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle the truth. They, they think they do, because a lot of, like I said, and I appreciate it as a New Yorker, The and a lot of people say to me, you know, you're too brutally honest. You're, you're too straightforward. But sometimes it's for your own good. And I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I am sorry if it didn't sit well with you. But at the same point, I'm only saying this because like you, said, you you were saying it from a point of knowledge and, and your expertise. If Marie and I are telling someone, it's because we care about you. It's not because we're trying to sugarcoat because I think people like the short-term fix and they don't think about the long-term results of, of decisions that, that they make. But that's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> no, no, seriously. It is a whole podcast. People That's that true. don't want to hear the truth. People want to be bullshit now. Yeah. And so and now it's like I get these little kind of younger NPs and PAs that work in my office and they're, you know, little millennial shiny cutie pies and they're over promising and, and, and they're, they're kind of feeding the, the, the BS and, and kind of just telling people what they want to hear. And, and then you get complications, you get problems and you get people that are unhappy. And so at the end of the day, you know, I do consider myself kind of an old fashioned doctor who's going to tell you straight, but I got to be honest, the generations below uh, the age of, let's say, 35 really don't want to hear kind of hard knock truths. And and I do notice that people you have to kind of sugarcoat things. And it's it's been a growth edge for me. I have to admit it. I've had to learn how to do it. Marie has so many opinions. I'm about sorry. The younger I'm, generation. I'm... I have a rant. Here we go. So many opinions. Please start. Please start. Yeah. So many opinions. First of all, they're entitled. 
They feel like everybody should do everything for them. They want everything perfect. They don't want to work for anything. I'm sorry. I'm going to be 55. I have wrinkles. I have whatever. Do I want to look my best? Absolutely, I do. But I would rather have somebody like you tell me, listen, Maria, you know, you're a little too far gone now. Let's let's work with what we have and see what we can do about it rather than promise me a bunch of bullshit and then I'm going to end up well, getting pissed off. Tell, this because... is kind of how I couch it. And it's not like I, I and, and, and I have to pretend who I'm talking to, right? So you have to be a chameleon. So if I'm talking to a girl who is like Miss Perfect, six pack, face is amazing. I, I tell her, I said, you know, there is a disadvantage to doing too many procedures on your face. You begin to accelerate photo aging and oxidative stress. So you get that like too many lasers done and you look waxy. So it's important to not do everything so soon. And I give them that kind of spiel. And so when I base my consultation on like kind of like that education, I get, I'm, I, I'm able to convert most people. But, but I will say that what's happening now, and, and this is why I was so excited to talk to you guys, which is the Bad Life Choices podcast, is that what I notice is that so many people have become experts, okay? Everyone's a goddamn expert, okay? Yes. Everyone knows everything. What happens to dermatologists now, and this is something that we talk about in conferences, so many people are getting injectables and lasers in uh, uh, basically untrained hands now. They're going to med spas. There's a med spa. There's more med spas in my town than gas stations, okay? They go to dentists for their Botox. I mean, practically veterinarians can do aesthetic medicine because these companies have put these products and these procedures in as many hands as possible because they're looking for their bottom line of their, you know, Wall Street guys, and they want their EBITDA to go up. So they place these products in unprofessional hands. And guess what's happening, girls? We're seeing a massive increase in complications and adverse events. Well, that's that. I'm glad you brought that up because one of my things that I wanted to ask you is, what happens, I'm sure you have seen a bunch of botched procedures, a bunch of home procedures, you know, untrained professionals, and then they come to you expecting you to be able to fix it and make them look it like they were before. It has become a huge problem, particularly in, mass, in, la, in the last five years. You get everybody injecting, and then guess what happens when you have a complication? You don't go back to the person who botched you. You decide to go to a medical doctor who's trained in the skin pathology. And, then, and so what happens is, we, as dermatologists, we have begun to see a massive increase in complications hitting our front door. And we're like, oh my God, this never happened before. You know why? They're all coming to us because they don't go back to the people who botch them. So for example, probably 15 years ago, I was in an international aesthetic conference in, in Paris called MCAS. And someone stood up from Belgium and said, I injected so-and-so and the woman got blind. Okay. So we were like, oh, blindness? That's never happened before. Do you know how many cases of reported blindness have happened now? Over 1,000 worldwide. And that's in like, you, you know, me? no time in less than 10 years. And what, so, like just from like a crow's feet um, filler? When you, in, no, when you inject um, filler in the temples, um, about they think about 25%, there's one artery in your temple that should not connect to your ophthalmic artery, which supports the eyeball, the retina. But in about 20% of cases, it can. So if you get filler in that artery, which we inject this area all the time, 
in those people who have that aberrant connection, which is a one-off, those people can get blind and it's happening a lot. And, um, and how, how do they get unblind? You don't, it's a permanent blindness. It's, it's a big, it's a massive deal. Um, and it, and it is a rare complication. I have stopped injecting the temples. I've just, that's been become my professional decision. I only inject this area with a, with a product called Sculptra, which is a watery product and you can't clog an artery. So, um, and, and, you know, there's ways to inject, there's precautions you can take. It, it is, a, it is an extremely rare side effect. Um, and of course you're supposed to have patients understand it and consent to the procedure. But the reason I'm bringing it up is not to uh, build fear in people because we do millions of filler procedures every day across the world and there are no complications. But the idea is you want to be in the hand, in the hands of trained professionals. And um, you, you really want to make sure that you're doing your best to avoid any serious complications. So we are seeing a rise in complications because the products are getting into untrained hands and there's more people doing these procedures. And we do have protocols on how to manage these complications, but you know, there are certain complications that you can't undo. That's a fact. What's one of the worst experiences in your practice coming from someone that had the procedure done elsewhere that you've seen or had, you know, ordered something off, you know, the internet and did it themselves. Like I saw something the other, you said something about microdermablation or something that I saw this tool yesterday. As a matter of fact, I was scrolling either on Instagram, Facebook, one of the two, and there's this tool and it's got a bunch of little needles and like, you just, you know, put it across your face. I'm thinking, why would you do that by yourself? Stand-on procedures. Are you kidding me? COVID made that stuff go rampant. It's, it's not short of giving someone a syringe. There's so much out there, but I have seen a lot of things. I will say, um, um, you know, as physicians, we, we all went to medical school. We all did residency training and what I saw in my residency, um, in the emergency room pales in comparison, you know, hairspray cans of rectums. And there's a lot of stuff I've seen. <laughs> I've heard stuff. But like that. I will say that in the aesthetic world, I have seen a woman's entire chest become a burn scar from a laser <laughs> procedure. And I mean, this is, you know, from her neck to her nipple line. And the whole thing looks like she got burned in, in, in the fire. And that is a massive malpractice lawsuit for a, a procedure that was incorrectly done on the wrong skin type. So what were they trying to have done? Um, women do lasers on their chest, Maria, to erase the aging and the age spots. And there are lasers that you can use on the chest, but depending on your skin type, depending on what you're targeting, you have to choose the appropriate laser. And this was a lady who got a, um, a CO2 laser, which is a fairly deep laser. And the setting was too hot for her skin type and essentially burned her skin off and, and she developed a full scar. So those, so that's had, probably the worst I've seen. Had she want, worn her SPF every day with that? <laughs> because I am like, I am a big, my, okay. So my mother, she always yells, yells at me because as, a, as, and I know that cosmetic procedures and SPF are not necessarily a thing, but I, I do believe that SPF will prevent anything. So like that, I'm like, just, just put some sunscreen on. They're like, Sharita, it's, it's not, okay. So SPF wouldn't have prevented the burn, but yes, the SPF could have prevented the, the original aging. insult. Yeah. 
And then of course, like I do see a lot of filler complications. For example, a woman got um, filler around here, which is a very common site. And there's an artery here. If it's injected, it causes this area of your nose tissue to die. That's called necrosis. I see that I see that about once a year come through my office. Um, and, and knock on wood, I've never had that happen. Um, the other thing I have, I see quite a bit is um, something called ptosis. And that's spelled with a P as in Paul, T-O-S-I-S. The P is silent. And that's when you inject Botox in an inappropriate area above the eyebrow. And it causes paralysis of the muscle that elevates your eyelid. So you you cannot, you, you got a paralyzed eyelid for three months. And there's nothing to do there. And um, it's inappropriate um, injection of Botox. And that's kind of, uh, you know, I do see that quite a bit. And a person walks around with like a stroke victim for three months. There's nothing, there's oh, no way to reverse it. I've seen this in person. And I know as a medical doctor, you're like, oh, this is whatever it is. I actually, as a regular citizen, I just laugh because I know that this is a medical procedure gone wrong. And I'm like, had they not done, gone to that the hospital or doctor, or gone to that botched job, they'd be walking around being able to see out of two eyes. We'll be right back. Are you a fan of the show? Why don't you let everyone know? Head over to badlifechoicespodcast.com and shop our new merchandise section. ER doctors, they see all the accidents in the world, so they think accidents happen commonly. They don't, okay? So same with um, dermatologists. Because we're, we're considered the tertiary level of providers, meaning the top of the line, there's nowhere else to go. Um, we do send to see a lot. But I don't see a ton of complications, girls. I, I do so many procedures in my office and I have other providers who are providing them. I think the bigger problem in, in the bad life choices with aesthetic procedures is doing too much. I do think- So what do you, what do you consider doing too much? Less is definitely more, like for example, too much filler in the tear troughs. People love, people, okay, here's an example. Too much fill in the church house makes you look puffy. Now I'm seeing women, it got all over Instagram. Oh, get rid of your bags, get rid of your dark circles, put filler there. Everybody started doing filler. Guess what? Guess what's happening? Now people are filling their lower lids. You no longer have that beautiful groove here, which is so anatomically feminine. I'm not talking about hollow eyes. I'm talking the anat my son who's 13 has a groove there. It shouldn't be puffy. Okay, and now that's making your eye look smaller because now you're just making the orbital area look fat and now your eye looks fatter. So you're losing your beautiful big eyes. Um, so to get other, rid of the bags in their eyes, they're literally just filling their bags under their eyes with more stuff and making more the bags stuff. look bigger. Kind of, exactly. <laughs> okay, I see that a lot. I also see, obviously we see too big of lips. Um, you know, you see little, little, little stuff like, you know, burns, laser burns, a lot of, um, you know, uh, people of color or, you know, Mediterranean Filipino women go in for a laser who have olive tone skin and they go in and you get some novice doing a laser that they can only do on, let's say light skin and they get burns. And so they'll get post-inflammatory hypopigmentation, which is permanent white marks or post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which is brown marks. So we do see a lot of these. Um, it's it's a wild world. I thought about you because, so this is not necessarily a cosmetic procedure. I guess it is though, because laser hair removal, because I'm so sick of bikini hair. And I was like, yeah. so you know what I did? I was like, I'm gonna order one of these gadgets. And then I got the gadget. I got the gadget. 
No, I didn't take it out the box because <laughs> I got it home and I looked at this gadget and I was like, mm, first of all, I am not a medical professional. I don't know if operating things on skin is something I need to do. So I started Googling. It wasn't until after the fact that I was like, let me see if anyone's had any bad reactions to this. Cause I understand sometimes things don't work. That's fine. They're like, oh, it didn't remove the hair. I wasn't worried about that. <sighs> there was a girl, she tried she had line, 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 like all these were burn marks on her skin from, and they're like dark Wait. skin. I was like, I was like, oh my, I was like, I would have been an after photo. Yeah. Like, I, like yeah. I, I, I put that uh -huh. thing uh -huh. right back in the box and sent it. But you are judicious. You're educated. You're thoughtful. You're intentional. Not everybody's like that. And they just jump on the bandwagon. But you so also told me about doing home extractions because I, you know, I was doing, you know, basically surgery on my face. I used to have very bad acne <laughs> and I had like cystic acne and I would just be da, 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 and, and you're like, and I remember like, do not use your finger. If you're going to do it, get a Q-tip. If you're going to do it, I got one of these little like at home little kits and I clean the little thing and I only poke with a little bit because if you're pushing bacteria, all you're doing is it's making it work, you're pushing it out of something, the whole. So I think about you all the time because I think that I love it. It's it. No, it, it was great advice and i think it's a lot of what a lot of people don't really think about is they're they just want instant results they see a problem they're like i'm gonna fix it i'm gonna do this don't touch your face don't over extract it just wait you know and a friend of mine she always used to tell me like there's a reason they call them active ingredients like let them work you don't have yes. to do all the work totally. yes so and and, and and talking about you know one of the other it's not a bad life choice, but people spend so much money on products they don't need. I see that all the time. Our cabinets and medicine cabinets are full of products we're not using. So, you know, you know, get some basics, learn what's good, and, and just stick to research-proven interventions, both with injections, lasers, and all that. That's the other big one. But the doing too much and women wanting to look like someone else is I think the biggest thing here, this, let me tell you something that I noticed a couple years ago and I was like, wow, this is the wild, wild west. There was a company that got one of their fillers, um, FDA approved for chin. So when a company gets their filler approved, it's based on location, you know, cheeks, temples, chin. Okay. And the FDA has to look at your data and and it's a very arduous and very expensive process to get approved for a particular indication for a filler. So congratulations, this filler company got filler for the chin. So what did this company do? They put out this massive marketing campaign direct to consumers on chin filler, jawline definition, Khloe Kardashian does it, angle of the jaw, ba ba ba. So everybody was TikToking it, everybody was Instagramming it, and everyone was coming in saying, I want chin filler. And I'm like, um, you've got a gorgeous chin. There's an angle between your nose and your mouth, and it should be about 35 degrees. It shouldn't be more than that. So if you do it more, you're gonna look like a man. Guess what I started seeing over the course of like a year in my community at the grocery store at the mall? All these women had this man chin. And I'm like, and it was just, it was just, it became the trend. It became popular. Oh, no. People started getting it advertised to them. All of a sudden, everybody wants a man chin. And it's just now what's happening. I'm melting these chins. They're coming in here now, two, three years later, and they're like, I hate my chin. I'm like, 
Of course you do. Right. So what do you do in that case? Like, you know, Black China is now there was an article, Black China, now she's getting all her fillers removed. How do you how do you reverse those things? Okay, there are some fillers, Maria. Most of the fillers on the market are made of hyaluronic acid, HA. And that filler is meltable by a special enzyme called hyaluronidase. So you can inject your hyaluronic acid that you just put in someone's face, inject it with an enzyme, you know, a, a week later, a year later, whatever, and it will melt that filler. So the hyaluronic, that's the same like thing that we use to help moisturize our skin? It is. Okay. They do have, they do make hyaluronic acid topical now. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, there are topical elements for hyaluronic acid, but we use them as injectables to plump the skin and they're not liquid, they're jelly-like. Mm -hmm. So they're like, if you squeeze them out of the tube, they almost feel like jello. And, uh, and that's what plumps up our face. And there's different thicknesses of, of the fillers. So there's very light fillers on up to things that are more like clay. And, and so we use the fillers like an artist palette in different areas. If you want just a little bit of softening of the cupid's bow, I use something very light and silky. If I want something more prominent to lift your cheek, I'll use something a little more robust. So there's a uh, Juvederm and Restylane family of fillers and the RHA collection is now in the US. So there's a lot of HA fillers and you can melt them. But guess what happened with all those chin, that chin advertising? A lot of women went and got a chin implant and those are not removable easy. So now you've got this, you know, Tom Cruise chin on a little sweet young woman who is just like, I don't like this look anymore. And she went in and got it permanently enhanced. So. Those are tough cases. And this is the problem that I see. And it's and why I think this podcast is so important is stop trying to be perfect because you're perfect already. And uh, you can you can enhance your natural beauty with very judicious and conservative treatments and and trying to make your face or your anatomy look like someone else is always a bad move. We have one more question for you, and this is something we're going to ask all of our guests. So it's not cosmetic procedure related, but in the um, <clears throat> thoughts of bad life choices, have you ever made a bad life choice that you thought was a bad life choice at the time, but actually ended up being something good? I remember being on the verge of divorce and wanting really bad to have another baby because I wanted to have one more child. And I, I, and I, and I wanted it so bad. And I thought, let me just, you know, have some fun one night, get pregnant and then I'll divorce him. I thought that. And so I was thinking I, I should probably have another kid, but the choice was not to have the kid. And I was really upset about not having another baby before I got divorced. It haunted me for about five more years. I felt like my family was incomplete. My son didn't have a younger sibling. And I really regretted that. And it hurt, it hurt me for a while. Now, fast forward to the family that I have now with my two kids, me and my ex, who I love very much. I'm very dear friends with him now. And, and we pretty much have been our whole lives. Um, literally, I knew him since I was you know five years old. He's a Greek American boy that I grew up with and I love him very much. We just weren't, we weren't made for marriage. But now, Sharita, I knew I was making the bad choice not having that baby but it turned out to be a really, really good choice. My two kids are best friends. 
I would have been stretched so thin with a third child. I, I, I am exactly where God intended me to be. And, and it's just like, and I just started feeling these feelings about a year ago. And I was just going to tell you, so in Italian. There will be closed caption so. for those who don't speak yeah. Greek. <laughs> <laughs> what Maria said is two hands, two children. So it's there, there's a there's a some a wisdom to Greek folklore and sayings and and so yeah, that's probably what comes out of the top of my head. There you go. Thanks so much, Dr. Z. For more info, please go to our show notes or go to xenomedical.com and you can follow her at Xenomedical or at Dr. Zenovia on Instagram and TikTok. Bad choice, good story, lesson learned. Thanks so much for listening. Like what you've heard? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, like this episode, and follow us on Instagram and TikTok. For more bad life choices, tune in next week.